walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the PCOM Podcast. Hello, my friends. It's Pastor Courtney here to wish you a happy, happy, happy Easter. I am so excited for this season. It is such a season of joy. And one of my favorite things about the church calendar is that Lent is 40 days, a season of fasting and penitence and introspection where we walk the road to the cross with Jesus. And then Easter, the season of Eastertide is an entire season and it's even longer. It's 50 days. The The early church decided if we're going to mourn and fast for 40 days and then celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, that needs to be even longer. And I love this idea. I was out on a hike last week down by the Arroyo Tribuco Creek. I don't know if any of you hike there. It is a great place for bird watching. I hadn't been in a while. I tend to just take take walks that leave directly from my house. It's <laughs> most time efficient with the the kids and the church and all the things that we have to take care of, but I I got a little extra time, so I drove over to the creek and took a walk down there and these wild mustard plants that Daryl really doesn't like because he has terrible spring allergies. But these wild mustard plants have grown eight or nine feet high. So this normal hike that I take that is through the, you know, waist high scrub and brush was like walking in this magical jungle of yellow and green. It was amazing. It was beautiful. I turned a couple corners and just thought, you know, if, I, if I'm going to get eaten by a mountain lion, it'll probably be here today. <laughs> Couldn't see anything. But it was such a beautiful experience. And, and I had a little feeling of, okay, but you should have waited for Easter. These are not appropriate Lenten flowers. We celebrate after Sunday. <laughs> um, but I encourage you, if you are if you are a hiker or a bird watcher, to get out there in the next few weeks with this beautiful, beautiful super bloom. It was a sight to behold. Well, we are celebrating the Easter tide season here at church. There are new Bible study guides available all about the season of Easter. We will be in the book of Acts this Easter tide, and Acts is such a phenomenal book. I enjoyed writing this study so much to do a deep dive into the book of Acts. And to learn more about the early church, the innovations and the questions and the fumbles and the just the, the fascinating thing that it is to do something for the very first time. What was it like to be part of the early church? Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. What does it look like to form a faithful community? a worshiping community in light of this truth, in light of this reality. Many of the early converts were Jews, and so they had an understanding of what the temple system looked like, what the sacrificial system looked like, but this was different. And a lot of the converts to the early to the early church were Gentiles. So they were worshipers of other faiths, or they were pagans, or they had no faith to speak of. Some of them worshiped the emperor. And now there was this thing called the church, a gathered body of believers in different cities, 
in different countries as the gospel begins to spread, and they have so many questions. How do we do this? What does it look like? How do we care for the poor and the widows and the orphans? How do we make sure there's order in our worship and not just chaos and everyone talking at once? What songs should we sing? What scriptures should we read? And how regularly? How do we address the questions in our midst? How do we resolve disagreements? I mean, many of the same issues we are still dealing with and parsing in our own context today were right there from the start, right there from the beginning. And the study of the early church is so fascinating because there is so much hope. This brand new thing, this Jesus who died and rose again and now has ushered in this new reality. So join us in the season of Eastertide for a study in the book of Acts. It is available on the church website, but we also invite you to come in and grab a copy for you, for a friend, for a neighbor. It doesn't matter if they attend PCOM or not. It's a, it's a really great way to dig deep into the book of Acts with us in this season. So as I worked on my elements for Holy Week, I, was, I preached Palm Sunday I preached the Good Friday Awake evening service, um, and then I, I had the joy of being invited to play in the band with, with Jeff for Easter morning, which I only get to do every once in a while when I don't have any other worship responsibilities, but with Pastor Jackson preaching and Pastor Daryl, uh, my Daryl, <laughs> I always struggle to call him Pastor Daryl because, you know, I've known him since he was 18, um, with him being the co-officiant, I was able to play with the band, um, which was just such a delight and such a joy and such a gift. But as I was working through all those elements, Palm Sunday and Good Friday and the music for for Easter Sunday that, that Jeff chose, it's always a little bit of whiplash when as, as clergy or church staff or church musicians, when you're preparing for the big celebration, but you're still in the sadness of Holy Week. And I really do try not to rush through Holy Week. I think our culture is one that always wants to run away from pain and run straight to celebration, but that doesn't work. Eventually, it will it will catch up with us if we don't deal with our pain and face it and air it out and let God speak to it. But I was working on a Good Friday sermon while practicing Easter Sunday music, and it reminded me of, of something Rick Warren once said which is that pain and suffering are not hills and valleys in our life. Sometimes we're in a season of pain. Sometimes we're in a season of joy. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, but more like two tracks on the same railroad. We're on that train and one track is pain and one track is joy. And so there is something to be preparing a Good Friday sermon about the death of Jesus while singing songs about the resurrection of Jesus, because that is that is part of the human experience, is the joy and the suffering mingle together, and they influence one another, and we are never separate from either one in this life. So as I was weaving these things together, I kept coming back to the question of why. Why did Jesus have to die? And we know, most of us, the Sunday school answer, Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could live eternally with God, and this is not not true. But it's not the full picture. And I think many of us have have kind of internalized that in a slightly damaged way. We've we've internalized it as, you know, God was really, really, really mad at us. So he killed Jesus. And that's good news. And I think 
that's not quite it. And as I was as I was wrestling with my my Good Friday sermon, I ended up spending a lot of time with N.T. Wright and his book. I have it right here on my desk. The day the revolution began, considering the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion. And if you haven't spent any time with N.T. Wright, he is a British theologian, and he is brilliant. He is one of those scholars who reads through the whole of Scripture and reads through significant sources in Christian history and tradition and modern culture and weaves these things together layer by layer by layer so that all of a sudden everything clicks into place. It's like sometimes I feel like my my faith is the, the innards of a clock and it's all these cogs and screws and little motorized pieces, but it's all spread out in front of me. And I'm not quite sure how it all fits together as a whole. And N.T. Wright is an expert clockmaker, and he takes all those pieces and he puts them all where they need to go, and the cogs start to turn, and suddenly the clock is alive and functioning. And so as I as I was reading through N.T. Wright, it really helped bring some clarity for me to the question of why. And I want to read to you, I, I shared this on Good Friday for those of you who were there in the service. I want to read to you a passage from his, his book, The Day the Revolution Began about what actually happened, why Jesus actually had to die. He writes, something happened within the actual world of space, time, and matter in the crucifixion as a result of which everything is different. By six o'clock on the Friday evening Jesus died, something had changed and changed radically. Heaven and earth were brought together, creating the cosmic new temple. God was reconciling the world to himself in the Messiah. A new sort of power is let loose upon the world, and it will be the power of self-giving love. This is the heart of the revolution that was launched on Good Friday. You cannot defeat the usual sort of power by the usual sort of means. If one force overcomes another, it is still force that wins. Rather, at the heart of the victory of God over all the powers of the world, there lies self-giving love. And this idea really helped break the story open for me. Later in the book, he, he tells the story of a traffic ticket. And he said, you know, some people's soteriology, which is their belief in the, in the cross and the crucifixion or their atonement theory, has to do with God as a cosmic traffic cop. And we're speeding. We're going above the speed limit, which is wrong. And we know it. We are doing wrong. And God gives us a traffic ticket and says, the penalty is death. But here's the thing. That's an arbitrary penalty. That's a mean God. He said, if, if God wants to forgive us, why doesn't God just forgive us? God is God. That seems off somehow. He said, but what if instead it's that we are speeding, but we are speeding on a wet, rainy, slippery mountain road on the edge of a cliff. And what happens if you are speeding on a wet, slippery, rainy mountain road on the edge of a cliff is eventually you will likely sail off the edge. And the penalty for your car going airborne off the side of a cliff is probably death, but it's not an arbitrary penalty. It's God functioning according to the laws of the universe, which God himself has set up. And so, yes, morality matters. Yes, it is our sin that holds Jesus on the cross, but that's only one piece of the story. The story is that God created a good world a beautiful world, a world where we could be in right relationship with God and with one another. But instead, we have chosen idols to worship 
the things of creation to worship power and sex and money and influence. And idols have power beyond themselves, the forces of evil and darkness. But God so loved the world. And T. Wright writes that many of us read that verse, but in our hearts we say, well, God really hated the world, so he killed Jesus. He's like, that's not the verse. God so loved the world that he gave his son, who, by the way, was fully God, this willing sacrifice. It's like last week on the podcast where Jeff Given told the story of being punched in the face and realizing that the cycle of violence, if you continue it, it will go on and on and on. And instead, Jesus gave himself for us, for the world, to break the powers of sin and darkness, not just our own sins and flaws and faults and petty disagreements and blasphemies, but the power of idolatry. And we see this in our world, don't we? The power of idolatry that often we, we think we're, we're using things for our own power, our own gain, our own influence, but eventually those same things keep using us and become too strong for us to control. That is why Jesus came. Check out the book. You're welcome to borrow my copy, The Day the Revolution Began, Reconsidering the Meaning of Jesus' Crucifixion. I also encountered a Martin Luther King sermon. You may have heard the Martin Luther King Jr. quote, Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And I found out, as with many quotes, that's an apocryphal quote. He never actually said that, but he did say something similar. And if you sum up this entire lengthy, brilliant sermon of his, that is essentially what he's saying, but he says it more eloquently and beautifully than that short quote. So I want to read this to you today. In one of his sermons, he he said, never feel that the tree, meaning the cross, is a meaningless drama that took place on the stages of history. Oh no, it is a telescope through which we look out into the long vista of eternity and see the love of God breaking forth into time. It is an eternal reminder to a power-drunk generation that love is the only way. It is an eternal reminder to a generation, depending on physical violence, that love is the only creative, redemptive, transforming power in the universe. Why the cross? Because of love. Because of love for us, because of love for the world. And the story doesn't end there. N.T. Wright also writes about the fact that the, the Western church spends a lot of time with the cross, while the Eastern church, Eastern Orthodox and Ukrainian Orthodox and the Coptic Christians, spend much more time with the resurrection. The cross is the prelude. The cross is the blip that gets us to the grand celebration. And I think there's there's wisdom in the balance of both. I disagree with N.T. Wright there. I, I don't think the Western church is in any danger of spending too much time with the cross. I think if anything, we spend too little time. I think it's a really, really important piece of our faith story and understanding our theology. But I love how our brothers and sisters in those Eastern churches focus so significantly and heavily on the beauty of the resurrection, that Christ is risen. I tell the story in the study guides, this this round of study guides, the Eastertide, Eastertide in Acts study guides that uh, Daryl and I had a friend in seminary. He was, he was Danish. His name was Sigurd, and he was 
just always serious. He was serious. He was frowning. He really felt the weight of the world and the problems in the world and just always had this scowly expression. He wasn't unkind. He wasn't a mean person. He was just always, always very serious and kind of you know, how could we be smiling when the world is on fire? Kind of a kind of a guy. And we we encountered him one Easter morning. Daryl Daryl encountered him walking across campus and he had the biggest smile on his face. And Daryl was like, Sigurd, you're smiling. And he said, Daryl, this is the best day. This is the best day. If we can't be happy today, we followers of Jesus, worshipers of Jesus, when can we possibly be happy? And Daryl talks about that story all the time because I don't know if you know this about Daryl, but he can be a very serious person. He tends to see the problems more than the joys. He tends to want to solve those problems immediately. But on Easter, he is learning to give himself fully to the joy of the day, fully to the celebration. Karl Barth says that Easter is God's cosmic yes. We had friends in seminary who would bake an Easter cake and they would bake just a, a normal layer cake from a box and frost it and then on the top in bright yellow letters, they would write, yes, yes. God says yes to us. Happy Easter, my friends. It is so good to be with you, to celebrate with you this Easter season here at PCOM. Join us. We have some special events coming up. Want to highlight one of those on the podcast. So in two weeks, Sunday, April 23rd, we are having a celebratory brunch between services. So if you attend this sanctuary service, just hang out after. And if you attend the awake service, if you can come at 1030 to join us for brunch, we will be then pushing the awake service. So we start a few minutes late around 1130. So we have that full hour to celebrate together, but we're celebrating the renovation of the commons and the work that God has done through the generosity of the congregation, through the brilliance of the team that designed and executed this beautiful renovation so that our worship space is clean and updated and just a wonderful, sacred space. So especially if you attend the sanctuary service, join us and come check out the commons, walk around in there. It's open and it's inviting and it is just a lovely, lovely, lovely space. So that's April 23rd, Sunday, because we are keeping the Easter celebration going all 50 days bring it on. All right, my friends, till next time, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.